Hello and welcome to The Walk Family Podcast, a show where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you, the mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids, from the newborn to the rebellious teenager. Our mission is to provide you with hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. I am Tony Smith, your host, and this week's episode is titled, The Cost of Wisdom. When you ask people if they want to gain wisdom, more often than not, they are going to say yes. So in this episode, I am taking a deep dive in Proverbs chapter 4 and connecting the dots of wisdom across multiple generations and how getting wisdom is good, but there is a cost to it, and Proverbs chapter 4 reveals what that cost is and how it applies not only to you moms and dads, but also to your children. So I'm going to jump right in here with Proverbs chapter 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction and do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight and keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. When I think about family traditions, usually there are a lot of happy memories 
that show up, and those memories become instilled in me as values. For example, my grandma, on my mother's side, always pursues three big events that turned into traditions. Pumpkin carving for Halloween was one, Thanksgiving at her house was two, and coloring Easter eggs. She's been doing those things with us for over 30 years, and now she does them with our kids. It's a tradition that has continued for the ages, and we all know that she runs the show with those gatherings. I'm sure many of you have family traditions during the holidays, or just simple get-togethers that, while growing up, they kind of put into perspective how valuable those traditions are. Sadly, when we lose somebody, specifically that harnesses those traditions, it's usually only then that we realize how much we valued them. In Proverbs chapter 4, we see a cross-generational teaching that's passed down not just from father to son, but from grandfather to father. That's where I want to take us today. How does this multi-generational level of wisdom apply to us as parents? There are actually three parental instructions in this chapter, so I'm going to cover each of those three and then end with some walking wisdom. So first is tradition, the wisdom explained from grandfather to father to son. Second is the stark contrast between the path to life and the path to death. And thirdly, the anatomy of discipleship. So let's dive in. First concept is tradition. Verse 3 says, For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. It is amazing how naturally family traditions occur for generations. But not only traditions, but values and ideas, thoughts and perspectives. It takes a long time for kids to grow and develop and form their own thoughts and values. And I'm not talking about like a rebellious child who does things out of spite or pride, but rather what words are used by parents that carry so much weight to your kids, positive and negative. The things parents say are like gold to your kids, even if they fight against it or appear to not listen. You see, kids treasure those words. And those words begin to point where their identity begins to take shape. If we say to them that they're stupid, they'll believe it. If we say to them that they're worthless in their minds, because dad says it, it must be true. Especially if they're younger. Then they act upon what they believe. Our children become what we say they are. It takes a lot of time and assistance to break some of those negative perspectives that destroy their self-esteem, and even hinders their God-given gifts. You take a confident, bright young child and squander that, their confidence and brightness diminishes. They become reserved or hesitant, quiet. Maybe they lack confidence or they're concerned about what others think because they've been told they're not good enough. As parents, how about we say to them what Jesus says and does for them? that they're loved, they're of infinite value. And grandparents play, play a factor in this as well. You see, with King Josiah, one of the kings of Israel, who was good and did good in the eyes of the Lord, you see his father was an evil king, but his grandfather was good. 
His father was killed early on in Josiah's life, but I bet his grandfather mentored him to some extent. You guys can fact check me on that here in a moment. But if you think you messed up with your own children, change and invest in your grandchildren. That's the power of tradition. The impact of a grandmother and grandfather is far more tremendous and powerful than you might at first believe. Our words over the course of time and generations matter. My second point about tradition is what we do. Not limited to occupations, not our jobs, but rather the lifestyle. If we invest and pursue music, our kids are going to find value in it. Sports, same thing. Academics, of course. Church, yep. However, as they age, whatever activities you do, whatever lifestyle you have, you're going to have children that find some sort of value in it. However, as they age, they may not pursue these things the same. They will know that they carry value in your household, but in theirs it might look different. So we must be careful not to put too much value on the wrong activities to where our children feel they must do exactly the same as we do. This actually can diminish their self-value. It almost becomes an idol. Because as moms and dads, we must always point to how valuable our kids are in Christ. No amount of service or giving or kindness changes God's view of us. He places infinite value upon us because of his son. It is and never will be what we do but it is only because of him. Sharing and teaching wisdom to our kids, godly wisdom that is found in Jesus, brings so much blessing to them. And to do this for your grandkids as well, like this is, this is the tradition I'm talking about. It's not found in just one event or a holiday. It's the relationship rooted in Christ that gives wisdom. If you are a parent that lives out their faith and you are blessed with parents that live out their faith as well, that is a wrecking force for your kids in favor of Jesus. Like, that is massive. But the reality is, is that our society probably doesn't have that very much. Oftentimes, when you hear of faith, we think of the older generations, grandparents in their 60s and 70s, but parents that are in their 30s and 40s, eh, not so much. And then kids that are in their teens and 20s don't really know where to turn or what to do. So the power of tradition is enhanced. So there is power in tradition, both positive and negative. My second point, the contrast between the path to life and the path to death. You know, I have read verse 7 like five or six times this week, and every time I read the first part, I kind of chuckle because it's like the most obvious and weirdest phrase. Like it says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Like I, I just find it funny. It's saying the very first step in obtaining wisdom is simply to obtain wisdom. I am going to put it in other words to kind of simplify it, not to take away from God's word, but just to help us understand it. 
that the act of receiving wisdom is in and of itself wise. That is what it's saying. And, you know, that really just seems kind of obvious. Like if anybody wants wisdom, surely they would obtain it. Why wouldn't they? And if they were to obtain wisdom, that alone is the first step of being considered wise, regardless of what the wisdom is. So it was just goofy to me how it was written, but this is the word of God. And it allows me actually to dive deeper into understanding what this means. So yeah, if you want to have wisdom, then go get it. The first step of having wisdom is getting wisdom. So yeah, it is kind of a weird concept, but the verse does not end there. Actually, the second half of the verse takes the humor out of it, and it shows the seriousness of God when it is read and revealed. So this is what it says, the second part. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it cost all you have. Get understanding. I'm going to say that last part again. Though it cost all you have get understanding. We know that obtaining wisdom is considered wise. At least that's the first step. Knowing how to obtain wisdom is quite another. And then pursuing it is even more difficult. So it is wise to obtain wisdom, naturally, yes, but it comes at a cost. A heavy cost. It says, though it costs all you have, Yet, still get it. There is a parallel passage here in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. I'm going to paraphrase. It's a man who finds a treasure in a field, and he goes out and he sells everything he has to simply buy the field that the treasure is in. The kingdom of God is worth sacrificing whatever is necessary to become a part of it. Not literal purchases of eternal life, but the giving of yourself to Christ. This is the difference between the path to life and the path to death that Proverbs 4 talks about. The third concept is the anatomy of discipleship. My all-time favorite author is C.S. Lewis. Everybody that knows or has read C.S. Lewis, for the most part, adores and treasures his writing. Like, I love his writing. He has had an amazing, amazing impact on my life. He had an amazing gift to take such abstract concepts and create analogies that illustrate on such a simple, concrete level. It's phenomenal how he can do that. But my favorite quote by him goes like this. He writes, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. When I first read that, I was blown away. Like, it, it just completely made sense. Like, everything in those words, in that sentence, it was revealed. It's like, yes, I don't believe in Christianity, just because, like, I see that the sun has risen, like, this is the analogy, but we can see everything else through that light. It is just so profound how he summarizes that, and he just summarizes his feelings in a sentence. It's just amazing. So anyways, um, this chapter, 
Proverbs chapter 4 uses walking and running a lot to illustrate the Father's instructions. So I ran a race a few weeks ago. It's called a Ragnar. It's basically a really, really long relay race. So for years, I've wanted to do this, and I finally uh, got a team together of 12 guys. Most of them are from my church, but, I mean, we ranged from age 17 to age 74. Like, it was amazing. We just had a team of 12 guys that took turns running 200 total miles. So each person ranged somewhere between, like, 16 and 19 miles of running. And as we alternated, we ran all the way from Muskegon, Michigan, to Traverse City. It was phenomenal. And we got to run up the entire west coast of the lower peninsula of Michigan. And, you know, we took shifts, so it was like, you know, one person would run six to seven miles, then the next person would go, and, you know, this all takes about 36 hours or so. Well, anyway, my second leg, my second time running, was through the town of Manistee, and it was about 2.30 in the morning. So, yeah, you don't stop. Like, your team as a whole continues running until you end. So, yes, you have to run at night. And so it was very dark. And once you get north of the town, there isn't a lot of light. I mean, there's no street lamps. There's nothing. And about four to five miles into my run, my headlamp goes out. My light sources completely vanish on the north side of this town. And, you know, like I mentioned, like, there's no street lamps. There's no houses. And it was cloudy. So, like, there's no stars or moonlight. Like, it made it exceptionally dark. So dark that, yes, I could not see the road in front of me. I could not see my feet. I couldn't even see my hands right in front of my face. It was some of the pitchest black that you can imagine. And the road didn't go straight. It was windy. It was hilly. And I couldn't tell if anything was in my way to jump over. And naturally, like, I'm by myself. Like, when you're running... Like, all the teams that do this, like, they're spread out. So you are not running with a large group of people. You are, at this point, alone. And I couldn't see anything ahead of me. I was aimlessly wandering, hoping just to stay on the path. Now, I'm also someone who never runs with my phone. I know a lot of people carry their phone while they exercise and run, so they listen to podcasts, they listen to music, they jam out. I'm not that person. I like to pray. I have like my own mantra and I I pray while I run, but I also like to have awareness with sound for cars and safety purposes. But anyways, I think it had been like two years since I last ran with my phone. But this evening, I just happened to bring it. And I even remember telling myself and my teammates with pure confidence that I wouldn't get lost. I was arrogant thinking, yeah, it is totally impossible for me to get lost. But I didn't fathom the possibility of running with no light. And it was totally a God thing that I brought my phone, because I was tempted to just leave it. So since I brought my phone, I used its flashlight to guide me. And wisdom was putting my phone in my pocket. How often do we as parents try to run in deep darkness of light. How often do we try to raise our kids by doing just what society says to do? Our tendency becomes nurturing our children with cluelessness or disorientation or pride rather than relying 
on our own ability to navigate the darkness, which is impossible, let us rely upon the light, the wisdom that is Jesus. That's why discipleship with your kids is so important. And the anatomy of discipleship breaks it down. Look here, so starting in verse 20, the author mentions the eyes, the ears, the heart, the feet, focusing on different body parts with specific functions to cling to wisdom. In verse 26, this really chimes into my running story from earlier. This is kind of why I used it, right? It's, it says, give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Even when the road is illuminated and you can see clearly, that doesn't mean we won't stumble and trip and fall down. But to have awareness of where your feet are going and the road that you're taking, that's the light. That's Jesus screaming. So to summarize, so to kind of give you a, a big picture summary, right? So we have a lot going on with these third steps. We have tradition. Then we have the difference between the good and the bad path. And then thirdly is discipleship, the anatomy of discipleship. And you can do these and pursue these in multiple different ways. There's no one right way to disciple your kids. There's no one right magical tradition that you can do. Right? And there are multiple different layers of bad paths that we can stumble upon. That's what you have to navigate for your family. And so I want to close with some walking wisdom. And this is just going to focus on tradition. Think about what traditions you have for your family. Maybe you have several. Think about how you can incorporate Scripture into one of your traditions with your kids. Or perhaps even create a tradition that incorporates Scripture with your kids. That's my walking wisdom for you. Maybe it's something as simple as reading the Christmas story from the Bible each Christmas morning, once a year. Or maybe the Easter story during Easter. Or both. Or perhaps a general tradition like Saturdays are Dad's day to make breakfast and lead a devotional. Or maybe each religious milestone, such as a baptism, each child that gets baptized gets a Bible. The tradition doesn't have to be anything major, but you can make it as creative as you want. But thinking about attaching family traditions that have power and meaning for decades to come, while elevating Jesus in the midst of it, you connect the value between your family and God. That is powerful way to start walking down the good path, the path to light. And then you can begin to minister and disciple your kids one step at a time. It's all connected. That's the beauty of Proverbs chapter 4. Tradition to the good path to discipleship. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening to our show. We appreciate all of your support, and thanks again.